Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh did you want to? Sorry. sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. I'm in love with you. Snap out of it. I'll have what she's having. Too many guys think I'm a concept or I complete them or I'm going to make them alive. I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. Caustic wit is my religion. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where we're all stuck inside like the rest of America. Uh, I am Lauren Humphreys Rooks, and with me, as always, is Karen Peterson. Hello, Karen. Hello, Lauren. How are you doing on, I don't know what week we're on anymore. I think that we've been shut down for two weeks, something like that. I think so, yeah, because I I think that, because we went on spring break last week at the school I work at, and so we had finished Friday, and we were like, bye, see you in a week, maybe. (laughs) And Uh uh, yeah, that's been two weeks now crazy yeah that sounds about right all right so you know we've survived for two weeks let's let's shoot for another two uh take it in small (laughs) small small increments how are you doing karen how are you holding up so far you know i'm actually doing fine um it's (laughs) i have these weird phases like i actually do really well on my own and so i have these weird phases where i've been like gosh, I miss people. I want to see people. Like last night we organized a little cooking party just in a group of people from church. And, um, one girl who is a cook and like, she has a giant family. So she's used to cooking for a big family and stuff. And so she was teaching us how to make something. And there weren't very many people that joined in, but it was just fun to see faces and stuff. And then um, I was like, wow, I've really missed everyone. And then we finished and I sit down on my couch and I start watching something. And then one of my friends sends me a message and she's like, hey, do you want to keep talking? It was nice to see you. And I was just like, do I? <laughs> <laughs> and we did and we talked for a while, but I was just like, huh, I think I got my fill and I was good. <laughs> Yeah, you know, actually, one of one of my friends said that she was having to sort of curtail conversations with family and friends a little bit, because there were so many people that were wanting to talk to her. Mm -hmm. um, Because of because of all this. And obviously, we're also in New York. So there's there's a little bit of added anxiety, I think, um, for some of our family members that are like, are you okay? Or just like, we're locked inside. That's pretty like, we're just indoors. And we're trying to stay healthy. That's pretty much all that we're doing. Um, but, yeah. but she was just like, yeah, I, I've had to kind of tell people, I don't want to talk right now, you know, just to be like, just like separate yourself a little bit. But it's, it's funny. It's like, I really, really appreciate, I have a bunch of friends who, and, and family who've been, you know, really cognizant of the fact that I live alone and they've been really trying to reach out mm-hmm. and make sure that I'm doing okay because I don't have someone else around. And it's really sweet, and I so appreciate it. But at the same time, it's like, I live alone. I'm used to being by myself for long (laughs) stretches of time. (laughs) I'm really okay. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I think everybody's worried about everybody else and this whole thing of not being able to go and see people. Yeah. And to, like, reassure yourself that they're okay means that we're all very anxious, you know? I'm constantly, like, I text my parents every morning, just like, are you okay? My dad's like, yes, nothing has changed since the last time I talked to you. I was like, but are you okay? Are you taking care of yourself? Yeah, exactly. Uh, He's just like, we are having breakfast. That is what we are doing. So, sorry, Dad. You're going to keep on hearing from me every single day. Me going like, are you okay? Are you, do you have a cough? Do you have a fever? Is everything all right? Yeah, exactly. Do you you have toilet paper? That is the most important thing. I finished a roll the the other day and I was like, oh no. And I'm like, I still have four mega rolls left. I'm fine. But it was just like that moment of like, oh, should I go buy more? 
Oh God. Well, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I think we're all, we're all feeling that anxiety. I was, I was thinking today, I was like, I, I need to go to the grocery store pretty soon. And, and we're lucky where our grocery is right across the street. So it's not, you know, we're, it's not like we're having to go long periods where we're, we're having to walk to the grocery or be in huge crowds or anything like that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's nerve wracking. It's like, it's like, okay, I've got to plan what I need and, you know, hope that they have everything. Yeah. Um, and sort of plan when it's less likely that there are going to be tons of people and all of that stuff. It, it is very, all of these things that we took for granted and that was just kind of a part of our daily lives, we're suddenly having to sort of, you know, figure them out, basically. And, and that's, that kind of stress is nothing compared to the sort of stress that some people are under right now, obviously. But right. it's, it's strange how day-to-day life really has become this this sort of calculation almost you know like do i have enough toilet paper do i need to go buy more (laughs) (laughs) exactly you know you're just like i should be fine for like six more weeks at least Mm -hmm. but you know what (laughs) if what if you never know what if in six weeks there isn't any but there's some now (laughs) yeah exactly exactly like i had that experience the last time I was at the grocery, I was like, okay, but they have it now. So, so, so I should really get some, right? I should, I should definitely. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh man. Well, so uh, naturally, um, not much is, is happening in the world of film because we are all stuck at home. All of the celebrities, some of whom are dealing with it. Okay. Some others I think are, are very, um, upset or unhappy that like, the world is not paying attention to them anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, you definitely are, I'm definitely seeing some celebrities on like Instagram and Twitter accounts who seem to be having difficulty. And you're just kind of like, you are really, really rich. You're sitting in a very nice mansion somewhere, you know, with your family or, or friends or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's not like you are not in trouble or anything, but there's no, they're not getting any attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's getting it's getting a bit weird. I will be interested to see what they're like in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was shit funny keeps like on getting weirder. Yeah. Well, it's funny that Imagine video that a bunch of the celebrities <laughs> did. And as I was watching, I was like, oh, things that did not go the way you intended. Like they're trying to do this nice video that's like, yeah. oh, we're all together at home alone. But it was like, yeah, you guys are so unaware of your circumstances and how good you have it and how other yeah. people are going to see this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I I kind of thought that it, it was nice. It was a failed attempt. It was because mm-hmm. I, I do think that, that their their hearts were in the right place, right? That they yeah. were actually, they were trying to do something nice. They were trying to do something that would sort of help people to feel better. And it's, it's really tough uh, and everything. But... It did not work out. It really just <laughs> highlighted how incredibly privileged they are. Yeah. And well, it was funny because I'd heard about it. I'd heard the video described before I saw it. And it was by someone who really liked it. And so I was just like, oh, that sounds so nice. And then when I saw it later, I was like, oh, oh, no, 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 guys. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't do that. I, I actually find the things like I, Natalie Portman on her Instagram account keeps on showing like, oh, here she's baking, she's cooking like everybody else is. And she's just like, okay, here are things that you can make if you have limited, you know, stuff. You know, you can't fa- find eggs. Here's some eggless recipes uh, yeah. and stuff like that. And that's been kind of nice to see. She's And she's also, uh, she's either vegan or vegetarian, so she's been, been cooking a lot of those things. And that, you know, was much more helpful i guess because it's kind of saying to people like here's how you can manage when you have limited supplies or if there are things that you can't find at the grocery and stuff like that um you know i like some of the celebrity videos uh there are a number of celebrities did like basically psas for new york telling people to stay inside like danny mm-hmm. devito did one um and that was again you know helpful because it was actually a psa it was actually saying here's why you need to be indoors. But it was, yeah. it was also entertaining, you know? Mm-hmm. I liked the so. one with Max and Mel Brooks, too, a week or so yeah. ago. That one was cute. Yeah, and I know that, um, I didn't watch it, but Simon, uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost did, like, yes. a riff. 
Yeah. <laughs> that one was hilarious. They did a riff on Shaun of the Dead, right? Or no, um, <laughs> The World's End. It was a little bit of all of them. It was a little bit Shaun of the Dead. They, they like, referenced that. It was At World's End and then, or The World's End. I get that mixed up. And they had a little bit of a Hot Fuzz reference in there, too. So, you know, so celebrities, that's how you do it. You know, if you really want to entertain us, just do cute little skits with your friends who are also isolating or tell us how to cook things that don't, you know, require truffles or some shit. Exactly. Uh, You know, that that is entertaining and and you are doing your job as artists, which is what you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about what we're watching and what we're enjoying, um, in order to sort of get through, lift the boredom, uh, get through what's going on. So what are, what are some films or television shows that you've been really into recently, Karen? Oh my gosh. So last week after last weekend, when it hit and everyone was talking about it, I started watching Tiger King and... Mm. It was like after work on Monday, I was like, oh, I'll watch, I'll watch a little bit of this. And all of a sudden, four episodes had gone by and I was just riveted. Have you watched it yet? I haven't watched it yet, but oh my I've, seen God. Some, I've seen so many people talking about it now that I'm just like, okay, I need to see this. It sounds like that shit. I'm so excited for you to watch it for the first time and not know what's coming because <laughs> it really is. It's like. It's amazing all the things that happen in this show that could be their own separate series. Like, there's a guy who talks about how he lost his legs in a zipline accident. And it's just a passing mention. And it's not even the most interesting thing that's said in that segment of that episode. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, it just goes crazy. It's, It's awesome. And... It's one of those, it's one of those series where it's like, I don't know if I should feel bad because am I laughing at this guy? Well, but no, he's really crazy and I'm just finding some entertainment in the crazy, but mostly my jaw is just hanging open because I cannot believe this is real. One of, because everybody was talking about it last weekend and I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I'm really interested in that. And then one of um, one of my friends, oh, Courtney Howard, she described it to me. She said, it's like a Christopher Guest mockumentary, but it's all true. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm sold. <laughs> and that was the most perfect description because that's exactly what it's like. So what is the premise? Like, what what is this actually about? I, I honestly, like, seeing people's reactions to it, I have not been able to figure out what the hell is going on. So there's this guy from Oklahoma named, I can't pronounce his real name, but his he goes by Joe Exotic. And he ran a tiger rescue zoo type place down in Oklahoma. And there were, there are a couple of other big cat places in Florida. And so there's kind of like this rivalry that was going on. One of the people that ran one of the ones in Florida, her name is Carol Baskin. And she started to get suspicious that he was selling tiger cubs. And so she was like, basically started talking crap about him and he got really mad about it. And so it just started escalating. And over the course of years, um, And it ends up involving, like, a murder-for-hire plot and stuff like that. Well, I guess the original thing that the documentary crew was doing, they just wanted to make a movie about this weird Joe Exotic guy who at one point ran for governor of Oklahoma. And he, he he's a gay redneck who rescues big cats and loves shooting guns and convinced two different straight guys to marry him. Like... (laughs) This guy is just nuts. And so they were making just this documentary about him and some stuff started to happen while they were still filming that completely changed the direction. So it's like you watch the first couple of episodes and it's just this crazy show. And then it starts to turn into uh, something a little bit. It kind of goes in a different direction than you expect because this is what happened when they were filming it. So... Yeah. Yeah. There's a sex cult. <laughs> like, 
It's just crazy. I don't even. Yeah. <laughs> you got to watch it. I need you to see it. Well, I, I mean, I don't, I, I, there's so much that I, I have time for right now. So I, I definitely will. It like, yeah, you, you've talked about it. I've seen a number of people talking about it. Another one of my friends was, was tweeting about it earlier. And he, he was just like, I started this going like, oh, I'll watch one episode. And now I'm like four episodes in and oh my God, I'm going to watch this whole thing today. Aren't I? <laughs> yeah. I finished it Wednesday. Cause Tuesday I had something else I had to do, I guess. But, um. But yeah, so I watched four episodes on Monday and finished the rest on on Wednesday. But it's like, it's seven episodes and they're less than an hour each. So it's a pretty quick watch. And it's so captivating. You just keep going to the next one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that definitely was... Definitely going to have to try that. Yeah. So that was definitely the big thing that I watched this week. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Uh, let's see, what have I been doing? Well, I've tried to be very, very, you know, heady in my, in the things that I'm watching. So I've been watching a lot of the Criterion channel. Uh, I did recently watch A Dandy in Aspic, which is a a 1968, uh, Anthony Mann film. I think it was the last film that he made. He actually died during the production and Lawrence Harvey, who is the lead actor in it, um, finished the, the, the production. So he finished directing it. Uh, and it's, it's basically, if you've seen, like, the Ipcris file, or, uh, some of, or, like, some of the John Le Carre adaptations, um, which are also on Criterion Channel right now, it's very much in that vein. Basically, Lawrence Harvey plays a British spy, um, who is tasked with going out and finding this Russian, Russian assassin who has been killing uh, various members of the British spy community. Plot twist that you know pretty early on is that he is the Russian assassin. Uh, yeah. And and so the most of the film is actually about him. He wants to, to defect back to Russia. He wants to go home, but his handlers won't let him. Um, and so a lot of it is just this sort of cat and mouse game between him and the guy who's assigned to be his partner is played by Tom Courtney. Uh, who is a, a very capable assassin himself and has been looking for this guy for a long time. Uh, and so it's it's about kind of the two, him, the, the Lawrence Harvey character, trying to figure out who knows what, do they know that he is this, this Russian? Uh, do they have any idea? How can he get out of this sort of whole system that uh, is probably going to wind up with him either being killed or unmasked or both? And so it's really interesting. Most of it takes place in um, in West Berlin. Uh, Mia Farrow is in it for some reason. I didn't completely understand why she was there. Uh, huh. But it's a really, really well-made film. Uh, the only problem that I had with it is that I have an immediate visceral reaction to Lawrence Harvey. Uh, <laughs> if you've ever seen Lawrence Harvey in anything, he's just really fucking snide and superior. And he's like that in pretty much every single film I have ever seen him in. I, it's just his persona. And so every, even when he's playing the ostensible good guy, even when he's the protagonist, I'm always just like, I want someone to shoot him. Can someone please just <laughs> shoot him? Like About halfway through this movie, I was like, you know what? I want him to die. I want him to be unmasked because he's so fucking obnoxious. Uh, <laughs> that was my feeling. I know different people have different feelings about Lawrence Harvey. Uh, so... So I was watching that. I've been watching some of the German Expressionist films uh, on Criterion that I hadn't seen. I've seen most of them. Um, but there's one called Variety, which is uh, I had never heard of. Um, and is German Expressionism within sort of a melodrama. It's about an aging acrobat who falls in love with a much younger woman and runs off with her, abandoning his wife and child. And it's sort of about their, it's about their relationship. And you could kind of, you know, you sort of see where it's going and that they partner up with another acrobat who's just lost his partner and he's much younger. And so you're like, ah, this is this is progressing into tragedy, I think. Wow. Uh, but it's a really well-made film and uh, some of the, the images, you know, if you've seen any German expressionism, like uh, Kevin of Dr. Caligari or Metropolis or Dr. Mabusa the Gambler, um, 
or one of my personal favorites, The Testament of Dr. Mabusa, which is one of the last films that Fritz Lang made in uh, in Germany before he, he had to basically flee. And you kind of understand why. Uh, <laughs> because it is not subtle in its criticism of the Third Reich. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that it... it if I remember correct, if I remember my history correctly, it actually pissed off Goebbels so much that Lang was just like, "Yeah, I need to leave now." <laughs> uh, and wow. I believe that it was censored. It didn't get. Uh, it may have gotten a little bit of a release in Germany, but it didn't really get much of a public release because Goebbels was was like, "How fucking dare you?" Just like, "Oh dear, <laughs> I better leave." <laughs> um, luckily, Criterion is also going to have some great stuff coming out in April. I'm really looking forward to it. They're releasing more uh, Colombian noir films. They're doing a whole bunch of retrospectives. There's, you know, lots of really interesting stuff that is coming up, which is nice, given that we're all still going to be trapped inside for a little while. Uh, You know, we might actually have some new stuff to watch. Ooh, I was going to... Yeah, go on. I was going to bring up, um, so Kino Marquis, I decided to try it out. I haven't watched Baccarat yet, but I figured out the process for it, and I'm going to watch it tonight, actually. Um, But it's really cool because there's a way to stream what you're watching on your Roku or whatever uh, device you have connected to your TV. I thought I was going to have to watch it just on my computer. So I thought I'd do a little PSA right now and and walk everyone through it that is interested. So what you do is you pick the theater that you're interested in supporting, and they've actually added a bunch. They added Draft House. They added like 150 theaters now this week are are available. So you go to Kino, Kino Now or... Kino Lorber's website. I think you can go to kinonow.com and see the list of theaters. Or if you just know, hey, this independent theater near me is doing it, you just go to that theater's website and they have a link that's like Kino Marquee, however they word it on their website, but it's like, watch this movie. And so then you click on the link, you, it takes you to their page on Kino's site so that they know so that Kino knows this is who is supposed to get the money for the ticket and then you just buy your ticket it's 12 bucks and then it um adds it you can either watch it right then and there just in the screening room on the computer or if you have a Kino Now account it will add the movie to your library and so then you download Kino Now the app on your Roku Apple TV whatever you have and then you just log in, and you can watch it from your library right on your TV. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. So super that's, excited. That's They're great. adding a new movie every week, and I'm going to I'm gonna do this and support my theater right down the street. Yeah, yeah. I, there are a number of theaters in New York that I would really like to support. And I think a lot of them are going to be okay just because they're such institutions. But, um, but you never know. I mean, you, you just – it's so – Everything is so up in the air right now. So that's really great. Mm-hmm. That makes me very happy. I'm glad to know that it works. <laughs> and, that, yeah. and, that, and that more theaters are getting added because also there's so many art house theaters across the country, not in you know, major, major cities. Uh, and and that's, it's wonderful that they're, they're going to get a little bit of support. They're going to get a little bit of attention you know, and be able to hopefully be able to pay the bills at the end of all of this. And stay open uh which is which is the goal i'm way more worried about them than i am about like amc or regal or anything like that oh yeah the big theaters are gonna come back because disney's still gonna screen at their theaters they're still gonna you know have the warner brothers movies and stuff they're gonna be fine it's the indies that most of them like we talked about last week most of them are are non-profit so it's like the one here near me, they don't even pay their employees. It's all volunteers and stuff, but they have a really big rent bill to pay and it costs a lot still to operate it. So if they don't if they don't have enough to stay afloat during all of this, then they're going to close and it's going to be a really terrible thing for the community. Yeah. Yeah, so well, well also why don't we also um uh, include the link in uh, in our Podbean posts and everything like that to be yeah. certain people can 
navigate to the pages and be able to support some of their some of their local theaters because it's a really nice thing to do and also you get to see some some good interesting first round movies if you're one of those people that doesn't tend to go to art house films uh this might be the time to try some of them out to see what Mm -hmm. is what's actually being released there's so many interesting um films that get screened in art houses that don't wind up at the bigger theaters and and they need support they need money uh just you know so that filmmakers can continue to make them and these theaters can continue to stay open and we continue to have good art because art is very important right now mm-hmm. uh saw a number of people being like why are the why are there bailouts for artists and stuff like that just like because they're literally making the stuff that you are consuming in order to stay sane who do you think those people are like exactly. if you're watching if you're watching all of these movies or listening to all of this music or reading books or anything that you're doing most of the stuff that you're doing at home for entertainment artists created that like that wasn't made in a lab or something uh exactly. and so without that this this quarantine would be unmanageable <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it really would be. We would all be losing our goddamn minds. Uh, so if, true. We're all, some of us are already coming close to that already. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah. So, why don't we take... Uh, we, we did have a couple of questions this week. Yep. Uh, one of them was from at JK, JKC Hart. Uh, I think that... Did I spell that right? I may not have. Um, yeah, it's James. James. Yes, of course, James. Sorry, James. I'm stressed. So my only excuse. Uh, have you done favorite isolation movies yet? I can't remember if you did on any of the recent ones. So I'm not certain what is meant by favorite isolation movies, whether these are favorite movies that we watch in isolation or favorite movies about isolation. But why, why don't we answer this according to our interpretation so what are your favorite isolation movies karen yeah so when i saw that question i was thinking of it in a couple of different ways but i was mostly thinking um single location either one person totally alone or a small group of people that are stuck together and so i thought of a couple that i really enjoy uh, one is a group of people, well, a couple of them are a group of people. That's, uh, the first one I thought of was Bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah. Where they're all stuck at the El Royale, and there's a storm brewing, and people are trying to kill each other, and they don't all know who's responsible for what, and Chris Hemsworth takes his shirt off, and <laughs> Cynthia Revo <laughs> sings like an angel. I mean, what's not to like about that movie? It's fantastic. Um... And another one I thought of that's a, a group movie is The Thing, which is an adaptation of The Thing from Another World. Um, <laughs> they're definitely isolated. In is it <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I'm just laughing because it's one of those where you just who who do I trust? Who can I get close to? Yep. You know, exactly. there's no, there's only one specific test for how we figure out who has this. Uh, you know, it's just like, I don't know. I, it depends upon how, you know, if you make yourself feel better by watching these kinds of things, then more power to you. But um, I personally hmm. do because I'm like, well, at least it's not that bad. I'm probably not going to die just by going outside. <laughs> So for myself, it makes me feel better. But yeah, I could see why some people would struggle with that. But And then a couple movies that I, I really love that are movies of people that are stuck by themselves. Um, I really like The Martian. I think it's funny. I know Matt Damon's annoying, but I really liked I really liked that movie. And I could just imagine myself being stuck in a situation where the only music I have to listen to is like terrible music that I hate. And I would not do as well as him because I would not know how to grow anything. <laughs> so I would die. But um, but it's inspiring. And I also like Gravity with Sandra Bullock. I have a thing for mm-hmm. people being alone in space, I guess. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's the most isolated you can possibly be. Uh, yes, that is true. If you're just a single astronaut stuck in space, like that's... And- yeah, 
And well, and what I think is interesting about those two films and, and comparing and contrasting them is like, Matt Damon's there, he can't get himself home, and he relies on a whole bunch of people to figure out how to get him. And then you got mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock, who's all alone, and she just takes care of her own shit and gets herself home. <laughs> <laughs> There's a moral of the story somewhere in there. I there is. Know, I, I can't, <laughs> you know, I don't want to, I don't want to read into things for people, but... <laughs> How about you? Well, um, I was I was actually just sitting here thinking about this a little bit more, and uh, and one of the things that occurred to me is that weirdly enough, while I do not find you know things like the thing particularly reassuring uh, in these particular circumstances, I do actually really like what are usually referred to as alienation movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of my favorites is uh, Antonioni's The Passenger, which stars Jack Nicholson and um, Maria Schreiber. And uh, it's it's part of it's part of what's usually referred to as Antonioni's Alienation series. Uh, so movies like if you've seen them uh, like La Notte and The Eclipse and stuff like that, which is really or um, La Ventura which is basically about people people feeling very um, outside of their society and kind of trying to navigate um, what that means for them and figuring out how to find connections to other people and often failing at finding connections to other people. Uh, one, The Passenger was one of the first Antonioni films that I ever saw and I loved it. And part of it is because it actually, unlike many of his other work, um, it, it actually there is a bit of a mystery and a bit of an adventure that is sort of folded into the story about this guy uh, but it so you you have there, there's a sense of suspense there's a sense of you know that something bad is going to happen that, that there's a build-up to something um, while at the same time it's it's very much navigating some of these some of these similar themes and stuff like that and it Again, this podcast is not sponsored by the Criterion Channel, although it might as well be. Uh, it is on the Criterion Channel now. It, it's a really, really interesting film and um, very slow-paced. Uh, you know, it might look on the outside like a thriller. Like, if you read the synopsis, just like, oh, that sounds like a very exciting adventure story. It's like, no, it's not at all. Like, it's very slow. Um, it's very mysterious, uh, and but it, it kind of gets at some of that sense of alienation and being outside of your culture and not really certain why or how to find how to bridge that gap again. Um, but it's it's a it's a fascinating film. So that that was one that I thought of. Any of Antonioni's films actually are very good for a sense of alienation and outsiderness. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, that was what occurred to me. I'm trying to think of other isolation films. Some some of them, to be honest, and I hate to recommend any Roman Polanski movies, but he made some great isolation movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cul-de-sac and Repulsion are major ones. Knife in the Water. Uh, you know, if you ever want to be happy that you are not quarantined with certain people, you should be happy <laughs> that you are not quarantined with the people in Knife in the Water. That is like you do not want to be stuck on a boat with those people. Yeah. Uh, same thing Ooh. with Paul de Sac. Yeah. I yeah. just thought of um Moon with Sam Rockwell. Uh have you ever yeah. seen that one? I have, yes. Oh, yeah, that one's really good. And then um oh shoot, I thought of another one and I just lost it again. Um Well, one of the ultimate isolation terror films is two thousand one A Space Odyssey. I mean, yes. come on. <laughs> true. Very true. Imagine oh. being stuck on a spaceship with a murderous computer. I mean, you know, there are literally no worse places to be. <laughs> so, yeah, you can watch that and think, well, at least I'm not victim to HAL 9000. <laughs> um, That's true. Also, there's Arctic, which came out last year with Mads Mikkelsen. And mm-hmm. he's... I'm not entirely clear on who he is supposed to be, but he's basically like in some kind of a helicopter wreck, I think, that his helicopter goes down in the Arctic and he's stuck and he finds someone else who's who also was part of a crash and she's still alive, but she's really, really injured. And so he's trying to save her. So 
basically he straps her to a board and he's dragging her around trying to get to a very specific place uh, where they can be rescued. And so it's, they can't talk because she's so injured. She's not able to talk because she's actually unconscious most of the time. So it's mostly him just out there by himself. And um, that one's pretty good. I was frustrated by the ending, but <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But uh, it's a good movie. And Mads Mikkelsen is a really good actor. Well, another one would be The Grey, if you remember the Liam Neeson film. Oh, Yeah. Several years ago, which is, I always remember as that time Liam Neeson punched a wolf. Uh, <laughs> uh, but again, a very, a very good film about being isolated and about being kind of alone in the wilderness uh, and stuff like that. And what was the, now I'm blanking on the name. Uh, the father and daughter who are basically survivalists uh, came out a couple years ago. Oh, Leave No Trace? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. There we go. I was, for some reason, I kept on thinking, don't go there. And I'm like, that is not <laughs> the title. Um, although that's a good title for a movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad. There's got to be a movie called that. There's got to be. Don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So those are some of our favorite isolation films. If you, if you really, I mean, I guess I agree with you, Karen. You wouldn't be like, well, at least I'm not that guy. Like, you know, I am stuck in my apartment, but I am not in the middle of the wilderness having to fight off wolves. So that's good. And if you want to not be tempted to go, if you want to like a movie that reminds you why it's important to stay socially isolated, I recommend Sunshine by (laughs) Danny Boyle. Because in that movie, they get tempted to go find out what happened to this other crew. And that is why everything goes wrong with their mission. Because they go off course so there you go that's a good one too have you ever seen that one i haven't actually <gasps> you haven't seen sunshine it's really good chris evans not. is in it uh killian murphy rose Byrne. um i'm trying to remember who else but yeah so it's this group of of people some of them are astronauts uh killian murphy i think plays a astrophysicist or something and basically what's happening is the sun is dying And the Earth is freezing, and so they've developed this giant nuclear warhead that they're taking to the sun, and they're going to launch it into the sun, basically, like, set off a nuclear explosion and get it jump-started, more or less. The science (laughs) is a little questionable, but, uh... (laughs) Alrighty. But they are the second mission. There was one that had left seven years earlier and it never made it and it disappeared and they didn't know whatever happened to that ship. So as they're going along, they, they pick up a distress signal from that ship. And so then they have this question of like, do we go just carry on with our mission or do we go find out what happened to them and go see if they're okay, if they, or if they're still there. And, uh, they decide to check it out and problems arise because of that decision. Well, it sounds it sounds interesting. Is it streaming anywhere? Do you know? Uh, that's a good question. I have it on uh, DVD, so <laughs> I haven't actually w- looked for it anywhere, but I am looking right now. It's funny because it was a movie that it came out during like the real heyday of Killian Murphy really being a star on the rise. And mm-hmm. So one day, it was like the middle of the week after work, I was bored. I was like, I'm going to go to the movies. And um, so I went. It was like a Wednesday afternoon and no one was there. I had a free, like I had a a big, you know, private screening for eight bucks. It was, it was really funny. Um, It's not streaming anywhere, but it's available to rent on Redbox, uh, like their streaming service. Google, uh, and Amazon. Cool. Yeah. Well, and also, also connected to that, we could always go for the, the true isolation movie, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yes. Uh, about, about people being quarantined together. And they definitely have enough toilet paper. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. You know, it seems like that's not one of the concerns in, in no. that film. Like I find no. that really interesting. <laughs> 
Just like they, you know, none of these dystopian stories ever predicted the toilet paper shortage. <laughs> they just like, we're, we all have, we have to have food and water. Just like, guys, everyone is fighting over toilet paper. Contagion got it, though, I think. I think in Contagion, I, you know they talk, they mention it. I, I have not actually seen Contagion, nor do I intend to. So <laughs> may, maybe in like five years when this is over, you know. I saw. Then you'll have some PTSD from it. <laughs> like, oh, this is too real. I saw it when it first came out, and I haven't watched it again. Like, I didn't catch up with it this week or anything. But I feel like I remember them mentioning toilet paper in that movie, <laughs> and I remember thinking it was like such a weird thing to be worried about. <laughs> They knew, man. They knew. They did. They did. They knew. So, so thank you for that. Thank you for that question, James. Uh, so let's see. What else can we talk about? Well, it's still Women's History Month. We are forgetting that because of all of the stuff. Like coronavirus has just sort of overshadowed everything else, pretty much. Um, but are there like some some women filmmakers, actresses even, that, you know, we feel like really need to be given their due, particularly this month, who've been very important in the history of cinema? I would like to say that this week I revisited, I haven't watched it since it came out like five or six years ago, but um, this week I revisited A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night by yeah. Anna Lily Amirpour, and it was her debut film. And not only was it her first film as a director, but it was also the first Iranian vampire movie. Um, and the fact that female filmmakers are emerging from countries like that are typically very oppressive to women, I think that that's something that's really important to not only pay attention to, but also to celebrate their work. And it's a great film. And, and uh, as I was watching it, I... I sent you a message and I was just like, yeah. ah, everyone's always like, I was getting so frustrated because I was like, man, everyone's like, oh, Ari Aster's the new generation of horror. Like no one ever talks about her. Uh, no one ever talks about Jennifer Kent who did, mm -hmm. they like the Babadook, but they don't talk about Jennifer Kent and like, I can't wait for the next Jennifer Kent film. I can't wait for the next Anna Lily Amirpour movie. You know, I can't wait for the next Karin Kusama film. They don't do that. And it just yeah. was really frustrating. And I was just thinking, huh, how appropriate that I'm watching this during Women's History Month. Um, and it just, it really made me think about that. So it's like when you're looking for a type of genre, you're looking for emerging voices in a genre, look at people who don't typically get to make those films and see what they're doing. That was something I was thinking about. Yeah, well, horror, I mean, I, we've talked about this in very, uh, in different ways before. Horror is, um, there's some fantastic female horror directors, both oh, yeah. in the past and, and the present. And like you're saying, there are a number of people that are coming out of countries that you don't immediately associate uh, with horror filmmaking or or, fem or female directors in general. Um one uh, one of my favorite horror films from seven years ago is Dearest Sister, which was directed by Maddie Doach, comes out of um, uh, Laos. And Laos has, like, a fledgling film industry. It is only just beginning to get um, uh, any kind of attention. But it was actually, this, this film was actually submitted uh, for a... Um, for consideration in the foreign language Oscars. It was, it's a really good and well-made film. It was on Shudder for a while. I'm not certain if it still is, uh, but it's, it's a fascinating film and it's a very different kind of film because it's, it's a female perspective on this, uh, this society and, and, and it tells sort of a ghost stories. It's, there's a big question about whether or not it is like a psychological horror or if this if there are actually supernatural elements to it um, and that's part of the tension that develops in the film um, but it's a really really interesting film and it's interesting in that one of the you know first major filmmakers to emerge out of this very very young film industry is a woman directing horror uh, and that's that's pretty spectacular so I, I encourage people to go and actually look at that but there have been so many 
great horror films made by women. You know, um, Jen, you mentioned Jennifer Kent, Karen Kusama, uh, Julia Durkinow, um, who did, uh, she did Raw, Anna Biller, who did The Love Witch. Um, there, there's so many good films out there, and I, I think that women can, women continue, as you're saying, we talk about Ari Aster. Or we talk about Jordan Peele. Women continue to kind of get the short end of the stick on everything, um, because it's it's as though they're this niche audience or something like that. Well, they're mm-hmm. not really making movies for uh, for the mainstream. They're making movies for for women, I guess. I don't know who they're supposed to be making movies for, but there is this this sense in which they kind of get split off into their own category. Whereas, meanwhile, we talk about all of the men. We talk about and. You know, I've said it before. I'm not that impressed with Ari Aster. You know, everyone has been like, oh, he's the greatest horror filmmaker in recent years. It's like, is he, though? Is he? <laughs> no, no, uh, he's not. Is, is he really doing anything new? I mean, Midsummer a little bit, but it's kind of a lot of it is a ripoff of The Wicker Man. Uh, Hereditary, okay, yeah, sure, but Rosemary's Baby did it first. Uh, so did The Exorcist, and and so some of the most unique horror films that I have seen in recent years have come from women, um, and 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 also and also people of color. And Jordan Peele is a good example. You know his films, uh, both Us, which I didn't like as much, and and Get Out are unique films. They're different. There's nothing that I can look at and say like this. You know, they have references to older horror films and to horror conventions, but there's none none of them, like, I don't look at Get Out and go like, ah, that's something that I've seen before. I, I have to say with Ari Aster, I, I look at his films and like I said, I go like, oh yeah, that's that's good, but I, I've seen it before. Um, mm-hmm. This this isn't a new take, particularly. Right. And, and part of it is because I've seen it before through the eyes of a white man. That's the problem. Uh, so many of these films that they're that they're riffing on are films that were already made once before by a white guy, and the perspective is a white man, is a straight white man, and so you know when you get a female director, when you have a, a person of color, where you have anyone who's outside of that kind of mainstream mentality and that mainstream gaze, you suddenly begin to go like, oh, this is different, and even though I can feel its referentiality something feels new about it. There's something different about the way that this person is approaching this topic. And a lot of the time it's, it's because of the point of view of the director and it's because of the point of view of the writer. And if you begin to look at it, you, you very often see that it's a woman or it is a person of color or it's a woman of color. Right. And that's why I'm excited for the new candy man to yeah. come out at some point. Hopefully it still will. Um, but yeah, because it, it took will, those, it will. I mean, it, <laughs> Yeah, it will. Um, but it was a sequel to the original film. But it's not just like, oh, we're going to pick up and do something, you know, do more of that or whatever. It's actually uh, taking inspiration, but assuming. I haven't seen it yet. But because of the fact that it's directed by a woman of color, it's going to go in new directions. It's going to use... Um, a lot of what made the first one great. I think it's going to probably do a lot of new things with it. Cause it's going to have something different to say. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what really matters. I just wanted to let you know too. Um, Dearest sister is still on shutter. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Go, go check it out. It's, it's, it's wobbly in places, but there it's a really, really interesting film. And, and another one that I just wanted to mention again, it kind of got a lot of attention when it came out and then no one has talked about it since Prevenge, uh, directed mm-hmm. by Alice Lowe, which is a one hell of a unique film and definitely a film that no one but a woman could have made. Uh, <laughs> and a pregnant woman at that because I, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but spoiler, the serial killer uh, <laughs> is the unborn child in a pregnant woman. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. That's also on it's Shudder. It's also the best title. Yeah. yeah. That's also on Shudder, and I just want to take this moment to remind everyone, if you haven't tried out Shudder, it's 
uh, I think they're doing 14 or 30 days. I think they're they're on 30 days free. So, yeah. What else do you got to do? Sign up for Criterion, sign up for Shudder, get your trials, watch a bunch of movies. It's, it's really the time to do it. Try try things, you know, we talked about this last week. Try things that you haven't tried before. Exactly. Uh, this this is an opportunity in some ways to, you know, you, you have, there. I know we're all talking about not not all of us have a lot of free time, but there's de- there's definitely a sense that there's time that has been freed up that we usually fill with with other things. Um, you know, it, if you feel like, hey, I've never seen this filmmaker's work before, I don't watch these kinds of films a lot. You know, give it a shot. See see what you can find. See what is interesting. Listen to our recommendations. There are tons of people who are doing recommendations right now. You know, there's a lot of really interesting work out there that also is not new films because right now we're not going to get many new films you're not going to get to go to the theater for a while uh so now really is the time to sort of consider the places that you haven't had a chance to watch certain types of films or certain types of television shows um you know now if you really want to get into ingmar bergman now's the time to watch the entirety of fanny and alexander (laughs) (laughs) there you go yeah exactly i mean for myself i you know, yeah, I'm still working 40 hours a week, but I also cut out a really long commute that was taking a ton of my time. And I'm not going to screenings in the middle of the week and I'm not doing, you know, dinners with mm-hmm. friends and stuff. So there's a lot more free time that I have, even though I'm still working, I still have, you know, my evenings are wide open and I have like an extra hour and a half in them because I'm not driving home from work. Got so, time. yeah. Yep. We all got time. Uh, so let's finish up with, uh, one more question. This is from at Noah's turn. What are your favorite road trip movies? Hmm. So I was trying to think about this. I'm not a big fan of road trip movies to begin with. (laughs) So do you have, do you have strong feelings about some road trip movies, Karen? Uh, You know, it's funny because... I have a few movies I enjoy where there's a road trip in them, but they're not the point of the movie. So let me let me think about that for a second. Um, I know there's one that's like just right there on the tip of my brain, and I can't. Well, one of the few that I actually thought of was Little Miss Sunshine. Yes. Uh, which I I adore, and is such a sweet and happy film, and is very touching, and. You know, is is kind of about a family coming back together, but in a in a non um, in a non maudlin way, like some a non saccharine way. So so many of, of those sorts of films, just like families rediscovering their connection, is kind of like oh god, you know, this is this is oversweet or whatever. Uh, but Little Miss Sunshine actually, you know, it's it sort of says that it's okay to be fucked up, that it's okay to to not be good at something. Um, that it's also okay to just embrace the thing that you love and the thing that you want to do, even though this might not, you know, even though other people are telling you that you shouldn't do it or that you can't do it or you don't fit the profile of someone who does it, that you should actually just kind of go for it and have a good time and support other people in in doing the same thing. So I, I love Little Miss Sunshine. It makes me happy. Yeah. Um, a couple that I remember from childhood that I just thought of, um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with Steve yeah. Martin and John Candy. It's like, I think that one's a Thanksgiving movie. Um, and it's like one of those things, there's a huge storm, it shuts down the flights. So then Steve Martin, he's just trying to get home for for Thanksgiving and he tries to rent a car. They rent. A, he ends up meeting up with John Candy. They're both trying to get home. And it's just, yeah, everything just goes wrong along the way. And and it's so funny. And if you have never seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, like, do yourself a favor. Because that movie is just, it's a priceless treasure. I love it so much. You're going the wrong way. How does he know where we're going? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also Vacation with Chevy Chase and... um, I'm trying to remember who plays the kids in that one because there's different ones in, in all of them. But I think that's the one with Anthony Michael Hall as Rusty. and um, Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that one's really funny. Um, I also... 
uh, it was the 20th, I just remembered, it was the 25th anniversary of Tommy Boy this week, and I love that movie, too. That's a fun road trip <laughs> movie. Um, that is the movie that inspired me to learn all the words, too. It's the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think of any others? Uh, yeah, I got I got one more. Uh, Sullivan's Travels, which is uh, Preston mm-hmm. Sturgis film, who Sturgis kind of sometimes gets forgotten, um, and I tend to forget him, admittedly, uh, as a screwball comedy director. But Sullivan's Travels is about a, um, a very successful film director who feels that he's lost touch with his art and that he's never going to be able to finish this film that he's making. And so he tries to, he decides that he's going to get in touch with the troubled side of America, and he go he poses as a, a hobo and goes out on um, a, a cross country journey. That he ends up meeting Veronica Lake, so that's nice. <laughs> uh, but it's it's also about like it's also about the power of film, um, and about the fact that he begins to feel that that he's not contributing anything. That he doesn't understand the reality of of people, right? And what he finds out is is the the power of escapism is that um, the the making art, make, including making comedic art, uh, is actually sometimes the only thing that some people have, and that that's that's important even to the you know even to people that have all of these troubles. It, being able to laugh for a little while and being able to have that the escape that cinema gives us is actually a really important thing. Um, and the film also satirizes the fact that this guy is like, oh, I'm going to go out and, and discover the real man. You know, what is what is the reality of people in this country? And uh, and of course, he's very privileged and everything. And it's, it's a really touching film and it's a very funny film. Joel McRae, Veronica Lake, like it's it's loads of fun. Awesome. So do you have any others that you could think of? Uh, one that is a terrible movie, but I find myself watching it when it's on tv anyway is dumb and dumber (laughs) speaking of escapism yeah oh yeah like and that's one of those movies that if i saw it for the first time now i would not make it five minutes i would turn it off because i'm like this is stupid but because i saw it in high school and i've seen it a million times it's one that's like nostalgic for me (laughs) it's a terrible stupid stupid movie and I think that's part of why I love it so much. <laughs> yep. Well, so I think that that probably, probably wraps things up for us because as we said, there is nothing else going on in, in film right now because everybody is indoors. Uh, so, so thank you all for listening to us as, as always, we are really, really grateful for our patrons uh, especially during this time, like it's it's wonderful that that some of you are still being able to contribute. We understand if you're not able to, but it's um, it's been it's really nice to just see that that this podcast might actually you know help people out a little bit. You know, spend an hour listening to us argue about films or talk about movies that we love or something like that uh, during this very dark time. So thank you so much to uh, our patrons, Heather, Adriana. Crooked Table Podcast, Michael, James, Katie, Cariata, Mason, Matthew, Monty, Nanina, uh, Nicole, Robert, Sharon, Steve, Tao, and Will. If you do want to contribute to our patron uh, Patreon at all, that's at patreon.com slash citizendame. Of course, you can get in touch with us a number of different ways. We're on Twitter and Instagram at citizendamepod. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash citizendame. You can send us an email. Uh, that's citizendamepod at gmail.com. For those of us, for those of you who, who don't spend a lot of time on social media, that is the best way to get in touch with us uh, otherwise, or, you know, leave a comment on our website or something like that. We do check it every once in a while. Um, and you could go to our website, citizendamepod.com, uh, where we have reviews and we've got various Blu-ray reviews and fun things. I talked about Marlena Dietrich being 32 years old and playing a waif and it was very confusing. <laughs> uh, and, and as, you know, as films begin to be released again, we will also have new release reviews up there eventually. Um, someday. 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 The film... The theaters will come back. Uh, you could also send us a couple of dollars if you want to at co-fi.com slash citizendame. And we do still have our Zazzle store if you want to 
buy a few things. If you're running out of clothes and are like me and are terrified to go to the laundry, uh, zazzle.com slash citizen dames. So I think that that is going to close us out. Karen, where can people get in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Karen M. Peterson. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at LH Business. Thank you so much for listening. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay indoors as much as possible. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Was in the spring. And spring became the summer. Who'd have believed you'd come along? Touch me, I won't touch you.